grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Elijah, the prophet, he did incredible things. He lived about 850 years before Jesus was born. Not much is known of his early life. He arrived on the scene calling Israel to return to the Lord in repentance and to turn away from worshiping an idol called Baal. He prophesied for 15 years or so and then was gone. But during his ministry, he did incredible things. We heard about something incredible in the Old Testament reading. Elijah and Elisha, they came to the Jordan River. Elijah he took off his cloak and struck the water. And the water, it spread apart. And the two of them, they crossed over on dry river bed. Incredible. Earlier in his ministry in the region, a severe drought had been going on. Food was scarce, especially for the poor. And Elijah, he met a widow. She had a young son. The mother and the boy, they had enough flour and oil for one more meal. Then they would starve. Elijah, he came up and he asked the woman to make him a meal. And she did. And what happened next was incredible. The flour and the oil did not run out. Day after day after day, they had enough to eat. It was like that uh, the Energizer bunny. The flour and the oil, it's kept going and going and going and going until that they would survive that drought. But then, the widow's son died unexpectedly. And she accused Elijah of bringing much grief into her life. What happened next was incredible. Elijah, he took the boy to an upper room. He stretched out over him. Three times he pleaded with the Lord to give the boy's life back. The Lord did. The boy started to breathe again. Elijah had done an incredible miracle. And the widow believed that Elijah was indeed a man sent from God. Another time, Elijah, he was sent to challenge the king of Israel, Ahab. He had married a woman named Jezebel. 
we all know that name. An evil name now. Jezebel, she had brought hundreds, like 850 false prophets into Israel to lead the people to worship Baal. She was powerful and vengeful queen. In order to call the people back to the Lord, Elijah challenged the 850 false prophets to a contest. An altar was built, and it was simple. You just have to call down fire from above to destroy the sacrifice on the altar. The false prophets, they danced, they prayed to their gods, they cut themselves for hours. Nothing happened. Elijah even did some mocking. He said things like, hmm, maybe your God is sitting on the toilet. Maybe he went out for a little bit. Maybe he's sleeping. Hmm. Then, Elijah, he had his altar just soaked with water. And he prayed. What happened next, as you know, incredible. The true God of Israel, the fire came down. It burned everything. The flames just engulfed the sacrifice, the altar, and all of the water. It was obvious who the true Lord was and who the people were to follow and worship. Then the time came for Elijah to hand off his prophetic duties to Elisha to be taken up from this world. And again, as you heard, that was incredible. So after a day of traveling from place to place, the time came Elijah and Elisha were standing together in a fiery chariot and horses came out of the sky. We're not sure just how it happened, but Elijah was scooped up and taken away. Read carefully, though, what happened, and you'll realize Elijah did not die. He was not killed. He is one of two people in the Bible who did not go through death when they left this world. He was taken up in the fiery chariot to be with the Lord. It's incredible. I mean, Elijah did incredible things. And that's why he seems so strange and so far away from us and our lives. I, it's hard to understand and relate with someone who is so different and distant from the people that live rather uneventful lives like we do. I mean, more than 2,900 years separate us. His life filled with 
eye-popping, miraculous moments of God's power and glory. We, we live rather uneventful lives. Most days are just kind of routine. If you have children, your days are filled with uh, the wake-up routine, driving them to school or to sports, uh, just get dinner at night, getting everyone to the place that they're supposed to be. Maybe, maybe you don't have time, so you just drive through and you get some fast food at night, or you microwave it. Why? Because we're just so tired. Where's my Energizer bunny to keep me going? Or if you have an empty nest, maybe the days seem to just kind of all run together, the same things each day. Maybe you eat, clean, watch a little TV, run some errands, you do it again and again and again. I mean, Elijah sure lived an eventful life. So many things happened. Our days are so much of just the same old, same old. Yeah, we have those moments when, you know, something a little different happens. Maybe a trip to see uh, the kids. Maybe we win a championship game. We here have seen uh, a few of our championship teams play. And yesterday, I know we had at least two uh, wrestlers. I don't even know how to sign wrestlers. <laughs> but we've had quite a few championship teams here. And those kind of fill some days. Maybe it's a vacation that we take. We go, you know, someplace wonderful. You know, it's exciting for a while, but then kind of back to the same old routines again. And those times just kind of fly by quickly. They quickly become memories. Elijah's, his, his moments, we're remembering 2,900 years later. We continue to remember Elijah. Elijah's incredible. You, me, boring. <laughs> That's what it seems like when I mean, you read about all this. Except for all the incredible things that Elijah did, he was a lot more like you and me than you may realize. When you look behind the miracles to see Elijah the person, you'll find someone who is lonely, who is afraid. Are you surprised? Uh, you would think that seeing what all God did through him, he would be incredibly strong and confident. But he had his moments. Much of the time, he was alone. One time, he was so down that he believed he was the only person who still believed in the true God. He thought he was the only one left on earth. That is lonely. And after that great victory 
over all those false prophets, 850 false prophets that he defeated and then had killed. What does Elijah do? He finds out that the queen is extremely mad and she wants him dead. So he runs, runs away. He's scared and he hides, fearing his life. I mean, even this great man of God had his moments of weakness, times where he was filled with doubts. Now that I can identify with, and so can you. I remember a few years ago, I saw a cartoon. It was a school picnic for a bunch of teenagers. And the kids, they were all around. And in the center is a young girl. She's talking on the phone. And she says, I'm so glad that you called. I was so lonely. In the midst of all those classmates, she was lonely. Now how close and real that loneliness is for each one of us. We're busy, but we're so connected. We have our phones and Facebook. We have text messages. Yet deep, deep inside, we want that close relationship that would just take away the loneliness. So many people, so many ways to keep in touch. Did you know there's even a way? It's called pen and paper. We can still, we can still use those. We can have cards. We can send letters, have text messages, all these so many ways. Yet we have so few close relationships. And we're afraid of so many things. I remember there's a worship service. There's a, a few years ago. During the sermon, the pastor, he handed out little cards. He told us to write down the greatest fears. You are able to do this if you want. I'm sure you'll remember the things that you write down. But what would you write down now? What are the things that you fear? Maybe a disaster that destroys your home and all your things. Maybe the death of someone that you love dearly. Maybe a loss of your mind with dementia. Maybe a relationship that's broken. Maybe a crime it's violating your home or body. Maybe it's financial loss. Maybe it's the loss of your relationship with the Lord because of a sinful weakness in your life or growing doubts about Him. We all have significant fears that we struggle with. I know that mine have changed over the years from being a single man to now married with four kids. 
my fears suddenly changed. If something would happen to me, oh well. I would fear my family being left without me, but if something would happen to my kids or my wife, that scares me. Life changes, and with that, our fears change. Elijah feared for his life. We are much the same. So Elijah, the person, he's not so different, not so strange after all. But now, I want you to jump ahead. Move ahead about 900 years. Jesus, he's there on a small mountain. He's with Peter and James and John. And what happens next? Again, incredible. Jesus, standing there, suddenly changes. I mean, he is just so white, you can barely even look at him. Right in front of the disciples' eyes, they see the change. There, Jesus, his full glory is revealed. And who's there with Jesus? Moses, the law, and Elijah, prophets. Elijah has come back, and he's talking with Jesus. But Elijah is not the center of attention here. Jesus is the Father. He speaks. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Then Elijah disappears, and only Jesus is left. But that focus of attention should not surprise us. Pastor Mike, last week, spoke of Elisha and the healing of Naaman. You remember, Elisha, he wanted all glory to go to God. He didn't even come meet with Naaman. He just sent a servant to go tell him. Their goal is the glory of God. Elijah was the same. He did all of those incredible things, not to become the center of attention, but to call the people back, to call their attention to the true God. He called the people back in his day to worship the Lord and him only. And on that mount of transfiguration, Elijah does something similar for us. Before Elijah disappears, he calls us to see, to listen, to turn, to believe, to worship, to follow only Jesus. What does he do? It seems so simple and uneventful. It doesn't look all that incredible. Elijah, he was simply standing next to Jesus. He's merely talking with Jesus. But what were they talking about? When Jesus was transfigured, what were they talking about? You guessed it. Incredible things. Not Elijah's incredible things, but about the incredible things Jesus would go do in Jerusalem. You see, 
when Jesus comes down from that mountain, he heads into Jerusalem to do incredible things for you and me. Jesus is alone when he does these incredible things. Sure, his disciples are there with him for a while, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, and they fall asleep. He's arrested, and they run away. He will go to the cross alone, so that we will never be alone. And on that cross, there, he bears and takes all of our loneliness, all of our fears, whatever that you may write down or consider in your mind, anything that scares you or that causes that loss of relationship, that loneliness, that grief, it's all there with Jesus, along with everyone else's. The old familiar hymn has it right. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. There's a youth group activity that truly shows what Jesus does for us. You take those cards I discussed and you bring it before the cross whatever you wrote down on there, any grief, sin, fear, anything, you put it into that bowl. And then just like that fire that Elijah called down onto the altar, those cards are burned. Beneath the cross of Jesus, something incredible happens. Our fears, our loneliness, our sins, our griefs, our times of weakness are placed there on the cross. And he, Jesus, he takes them all as his own. And then, if that wasn't incredible enough for you, something more happens in Jerusalem. Jesus reappears in glory that tomb is empty and Jesus is alive never to leave us, never to go away. And in a way, we are much like Elijah. Elijah stood there next to Jesus and talked with him. Jesus, risen from the dead, he's always standing next to us, with us, ready to listen whenever you talk. Yes, Jesus is standing next to us in those same old, uneventful, everyday moments of life. He's there with us during those errands that we run, when we drive through the fast food place, when we collapse exhausted in bed at night. He's standing with us when we have that same old, same old day. Or when something exciting happens. But most of all, Jesus. He's standing with us when that loneliness creeps in and causes us 
to doubt. He's there with us when those fears come rushing in, when you hear that just terrible news, when that heart starts to quicken. Jesus is there. Consider Elijah. Even though Elijah did some incredible things, I'm sure that he would tell us the most incredible thing of all was standing there on the mountain next to Jesus, talking to him about going to Jerusalem, going to the cross, rising from the dead. Elijah would not want us to focus on himself as if he were someone incredible. No, Elijah would want us to focus on Jesus because today and every day, Jesus is standing right beside us, right with us, given to us in that resurrection glory. Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always, always ready to talk with us. And that, that is an incredible thing indeed. Amen. Now may the peace that surpasses all of our understanding, that peace that comes from those incredible things of just being able to take those griefs and give them to Jesus, take those sins and give them to Jesus, and just to talk with Jesus any time, any day. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.